Download the SportDeck app today for live scores, stats, the latest news and betting. You can find us on the App Store or by going to sportdeck.com. As the fierce reality of professional football kicks in, life as a player comes to an end and an exciting coaching journey begins. One door closes while another door opens. You're listening to Sport Deck Speaks. I'm Dave O'Grady. Joining me as always is the great Gareth Morgan. Are you ready for this, Gareth? Certainly am, Dave. Fantastic. Well, we're delighted to be joining the show now by a man who's done it all in football and has taken the next step into football coaching. He's a Crystal Palace legend. Paddy McCarty, thanks a million for joining us. You hung up your boots at the end of last season and took up a coaching position at the Crystal Palace Academy. Can you tell us a little bit about how you found that transition from player to coach? I know you do tend to get a lot of players these days that have been doing their badges and that, but for yourself, what was it like? Was it a, a quick turnaround? Yeah, it was, to be fair. Um, I retired officially in the summer after a year, after few years of constant injuries um, my knee couldn't get better after I had a serious knee injury when I went on loan to Preston so it was something that I wanted to do um, and I, I found it had been a smooth transition up to date um, I've enjoyed every minute of it um, and it's a perfect opportunity and a perfect start for me in, in my young coaching career. I suppose it's a, an additional benefit Paddy the fact that you had been at the club so recently as a player and, and club captain in fact that a lot of a lot of the youth players at the club would would have already known you that must have been a big advantage for you coming in in the new role that you have yeah definitely as club captain I've always had a keen interest in all aspects of the football club not just what was going on at first team level um, I had been to watch 23s and played quite a few guys at the under 23s under 18s when they played at, at the training ground I'd go and watch them so I understood what was good about the academy and what needed changing what I felt need, needed changing and you know, I've got to work straight away with that and it's um, like I said it's been a smooth transition it's a club that I've got um, a great affiliation for and um, it's something that I'm really enjoying at the minute I'm digging my teeth into it and it's um, a lot more work than when you're a player to be honest yeah. but it's something that I've really enjoyed and I've been preparing for this kind of role for a long time I started doing my coaching badges at 28 um, and I've always enjoyed coaching and, and giving back to the game and it's something that being able to do that at a club that I really really have a passion for is something that's um, that's been, been great for me Indeed, and obviously there's been a change of first-team manager since you took up your new role, Alan Pardew heading out, Sam Allardyce coming in. Has that had any impact upon the way the academy is run, or for, for you guys there, has it been real business as usual? Business as usual. I think what you tend to find nowadays, um, turnover and first-team managers, is I think they're saying it's 18 months is the usual turnover of a first-team manager, so they've got so much work to do that um, if they're there longer than that, they tend to then have a little bit of an impact on the academy setup. Um, but I think with what Sam, Sam Allardyce has at the moment, he's got a, a massive job on, the, on his hands and his full focus will, will be on, on the first team at the minute. And I'm sure once he gets everything the way he wants it to go, and then then he'll probably check in on the academy and, um, and start um, directing us in the way that he feels um, he wants it to go because it's always to have input off any any experienced manager is always great for for the football club and especially the academy. So you, you will tend to find that 
managers come in, they sort the first team out, they'll have a have a go with the twenty threes and then it will filter on the message will filter on down through the um, rest of the rest of the football club like the Academy. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I've always and you p- probably know better from your experience as both a player and a coach is you know we hear stories of like at Manchester City and Pep Guardiola has been keeping the first team completely separate to the rest of the club and the structures and the academy in that sense and you know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing it's hard to know have you ever experienced that in in your roles or is it a case that a, a top club like Crystal Palace will always you know make sure that there's a, a bit of a link or a good involvement between the uh, you know the first team and those players coming up through the ranks. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a very very good debate in football at the minute is whether for me you can look at it both ways. Um, being around first team players, I think will be beneficial to young lads because they can learn from them. Um, so that's one aspect of it. But the other way to look at it is uh, the way we do it. We're in in a separate camp, so we're across the road, literally. Um, two-minute two walk down the road or the, across the way um, where we train with the academy in a different facility. So the way I look at the way we're looking at it at the minute is that these young lads have to earn the right to go across to the main training ground and get kind of the benefits of what the first team are getting and stuff like that. So they're the two ways of looking at it. And it, it is a big debate um, right away throughout youth football as to what benefits the players more. Um, I've had it both ways at Man City when I was a kid. I always loved being in and around the first team environment, um, being in and, the, in and around the first team players and learning from their habits and and what makes them tick and, and stuff like that. And um, I enjoyed that side of it. And then also toward the end of my second year apprenticeship at Crystal or at Man City, the first team moved to a different um, training ground where it was then you were having to work that little bit harder to get yourself across there. So I can see I can see an argument for both sides of it. At Crystal Palace at the moment, we're in two separate camps, um, and the lads, I can tell the lads have a spring in their step um, each morning when they get to go, go across with Richard Shaw and, the under, and train with the under-23. So it is like a little bit of a reward for them getting across yeah. there, and that's it. it's not bad for the environment because it creates that... Um, little bit more competitive nature because they know if they're doing it well over with, with my side and the under 18 that they will get rewarded by going to train with the 23s and get all the benefits of the first team like better food better equipment better completely better environment so it's um it's you can look at it both ways Paddy, I know another debate that goes on at clubs is uh, whether you should have a, a playing system that kind of starts with the first team and then all the, the younger teams at the club will play to that same system. I know certain clubs do that, certain clubs don't. What's the approach at Palace in that regard? Yeah, the approach, the approach at Palace would be we, we have our, a certain identity. Um, we have a certain type of player that we, we look to recruit. Um, although there's been a, a massive lot of change in manager since I've been there we've always had a certain type of player and had a certain style of football and that's something that we, we look to uh, reproduce in the academy uh, we like to be resilient in defence um, which is something that we we, um, we teach our young, young kids then we, we're always exciting in attack in terms of we've always produced quick wing, tricky wingers Wilfred Zaha, Victor Moses and we've always really had a, a, a big, strong number nine, Benteke at the moment. Um, we've we've had the likes of um, the likes of Alan Lee there, 
um, James Scowcroft, Glenn Murray, just to name but a few, Connor Wickham. So we look to have a strong number nine, strong defenders, a good number four who passes the ball. So the type of player that we're trying to recruit would be specific to a Crystal Palace player. And that has never really changed from the time I've been at the football club. So um, and and the style of football is something that we're we're um, we like to play attacking attacking football um, or counter attacking football should I say um, with with exciting quick tricky wingers but also that have defensive responsibility so that's something that the the club we do have a, um, a philosophy and a style that we play to and I think most managers with the with, when they come in yeah they might have a different system in terms of four or two. They're playing three five two at the moment in the first team, but it would still be them same sort of principles. I'd say would be um, the, what's what the club's about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that the principles uh, stay in place, even if yeah, there's a slight tweak to the, you know, to the formations. There, you mentioned the players that have come through at Palace over the years. You know, Zaha Moses, and then you know, it's an incredible sort of production line really Nathaniel Klein being another one Lewis Graben Wayne Routledge these kind of players since you've been at the at the club Paddy why do you think it is that the Palace have been so successful in first of all attracting these young players to the club and then making sure that they improve and come through their academy system and, and into the first team what's the club been doing right do you feel? Um, obviously the, the, the pool that we have to pick it's a great catchment area where we are Um it's 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 we've got a lot of young kids and it's a great footballing area south east London to start with. Then obviously the system a lot of credit has to go to the to the coaches that have been there um and mentored these lads. Um and then I think the big thing for young lads now is, is opportunity. Mm. Um when I came to the club there was Sean Scannel, uh, Victor Moses at the start and I think probably from the academy we're looking at 25 players who made a debut from the time I've been at the club so it has got a great tradition of giving young lads the opportunity but um, that has become a lot fewer now since we've been in the Premier League and it's a lot more difficult for these young lads so they really really have to be at it every day and, and try and and be the top of the pile to get an opportunity at the moment because to get an opportunity to play first team football in a, in a Premier League team which is what Crystal Palace has been for the last four years is um, is nigh on impossible at the, at the moment so it's going to be even more difficult for these kids to um, to recreate what Wilfred Zaha what Natalian Klein did but I would say the big thing was opportunity we had a, a couple of administrations at the football club and the, these young lads were, were thrown in the foreign line and mm. a lot of them uh, made a success like your Victor Moses and your Nathaniel, Nathaniel Kleins and um, Sean Scannell even now still playing at Huddersfield um, but I think it was just the opportunity and the timing timing of it all we still have lads of that quality in the academy at the moment but it's will they get an opportunity at Crystal Palace um, and if they do get it will they be given long enough to take it I'm, I'm, I'm not sure well, it's one of the interesting arguments, particularly when you look at one of your own, your old clubs, Manchester City, and we had a piece with Stephen Elliott on Sportec recently, and you know he was making the point that a lot of the youngsters coming through at Manchester City now will probably the chances are they might never get into the you know, first team at Manchester City unless they're a, an exception to the rule. For yourself and your own experiences, Paddy, how different do you find the setup at Palace today to what you experienced coming through as a youngster at Manchester City in the early 2000s? 
Um, not not too not too dissimilar um, to to um, to Man City. I, um, I think the type of lads we recruit, the type of information and values that we work towards, we, we're trying to create not only better players but better people, which would would have been um, what Man City would have been like for us. Uh, I, I think we're a completely different um, animal to, to Manchester City at the moment. I mean, I, I say it's difficult for a lad to to make his debut for a Premier League club, but I think for a Man City, I think that's it's it's it is probably impossible. I think the lower down you go, at Crystal, I think we had Sully Kakoi maybe maybe his um, first team debut last um, last week in the in the Carling Cup. So we are different in a way to Manchester City. Um, or probably not too dissimilar to when where the club was when I was at Manchester City. If you, if you understand what that means, that was it was Premier League club. We spent a lot of money, and yeah. but still youngsters did get through. Like Yama, like Mika Richards and Sean Roy Phillips and Bradley Roy Phillips and, and players like that. So, like I said, if you are really exceptional, you will get an opportunity. Um, but you really, really, as a young player now, to play in the Premier League, have to really push yourself and be be at it every day, every day to be the best that you can be. Because um, opportunities are few and far between now at Premier League clubs. And um, I would say Crystal Palace, you, if you if you are um, exceptional, you will get an opportunity. But Manchester City, with the money that they've got behind them and, and the money they spend in the transfer market, I think you've got very, very little hope. One of the arguments we always seem to come back to is regarding players at big clubs and Premier League clubs as well and youths going out on loan. I know yourself, you went out on loan when you were on the city books to Boston and Notts County. How important do you think of a learning experience do you think that is for young players? I mean, how did you find it? I I keep thinking back, Paddy, to when... Chelsea loaned out Connor Clifford and I think he, they loaned him out. He was the, the bright hot spark captain of their youth FA Youth Cup winning team and they loaned him down to Plymouth who were really struggling at the time and then I think he came back and he was sent out again to Crawley and then it's like, well, I, I do wonder does it affect a player's confidence? From your experience, how important is it that players do go out on loan like that? Yeah, it's, it's massively important. It's you can stay in your little comfort zone at a club like Man City or Chelsea and stuff like that, but it's it's like I said when when we were kids, it was it was really difficult to um, to forge a career at them clubs with the money that's being spent. Um, my own experience, I went along to Boston, um, and it was just a complete shock to the system in terms of facilities, um, in terms of kit, in terms of infrastructure. I, I, Arrived at Boston, which was is down near Skegness and in a small little town, and um, they didn't have any training kit for me. So the, oh, wow. the the training kit that I had to wear was was it was uh, there was paint all over it, and I had bottoms that were were ripped to shreds and stuff like that. And it was just um, it was a real baptism of fire. But what it what it was was it was it was a game of football that was win at all costs, um, and there was lads in there that were playing to pay their mortgages, that were playing playing for um, three points to keep the club um, in the football league and keep people in jobs. So it was was sink or swim. Um, And I think that's what really these young players need to be exposed to because in academies, the the football's um, nice football, nice and for them. They're all protected and 
I think they need to go out and, and see the reality of real professional football. And for me, it was the best thing I ever done. You know, I got sent off on my debut <laughs> uh, when I was at Boston, and then and then got dragged dragged off at halftime in my second game, um, and was kind of thought this is this is um, this is not what I envisaged it, envisaged it to be. Um, but I was given the option to. Um, they they seen something in me that they wanted to keep me there for an extra two months. Um, I think a weaker person probably would have gone back to the to the comfort uh, zone and at Man City and sitting on his contract there. But I chose to stay and roll my sleeves up and and fight me corner. Um, and it was proved to be the best thing that ever that I ever done because I walked my way back into the team and played a lot of games in the league and um, and and then went back to Man City with, with that experience behind me. Was Steve Evans there at the time, Paddy, that you were there, or had he gone by then at Boston? I see, yeah, I see, no, no, what are you trying to suggest? No, I, I got some brown envelopes or something. I was just, um, when you said a culture no, shock, I thought, I thought a young player, sorry, go on. No, no, that's not me. That, I, I've never been given a brown envelope <laughs> in, in my career, so he, um, no, it was a, a lad called Steve Thompson. Okay. Was managing there. Steve Evans had just um, left beforehand, um, so I mean, it was. I'd never even, to be honest with you, I never even heard of the of the football club. Um, with all due respect, I, I, Kevin Keegan pulled me into the office and asked me, "Would I go? Did I want to go on loan?" I says, "Yeah, of course." Uh, he said, "Boston." I thought it was America. <laughs> um, no, it's in Lincolnshire. And I thought, wow, yeah. wow, I've never heard of this football club. So it was, um, it was, it was literally something for for a young lad that um, was 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 um, a step that I really I could have could have turned it down. But it was it was the best thing I could ever ever have done. Um, going playing league football with experienced players, um, and um, like I said, lads who are playing to pay their mortgage and lads who are playing keep a football club in, in the division it was just a, it was such a real eye opener and the camaraderie that these boys have together is something uh, that I could never envision and it just gave me a taste for first team football and um, after that experience playing reserve football just wasn't enough I didn't get enough of, tr- enough of a thrill so I was constantly, constantly after that buzz of um, of going out and, and, um, and, and pushing myself mm-hmm. in first team football well, just staying on the subject of, of character building, I suppose, in, in young players, Paddy, I just wanted to ask at Palace, how much work goes into the young players in terms of what they what they need to deal with off the pitch, with agents and money and the sort of perils of social, social media? media how, much, yeah. how much sort of work, you know, or how much tutelage, I suppose, do the young players receive in that aspect of, of life as a footballer in, in the current modern era? Loads more more than we ever did. Um, I mean, every day that's that's something I I, I bang on to them. I, I I try and help them learn from my experiences, learn from my mistakes. Um, I, I think I think I'm I've got an advantage that I'm I'm just fresh out of the game with them. So um, for them for them to learn from me and and understand that I've walked their path that they're trying to walk on. So, um, but we do we we. we we uh, expose them to all different environments, so it's not just a football education. Like I said, they, I was conscious of the fact that when I took over the the job as under eighteen manager, I wanted to create the next best Crystal Palace player. Of course, that's the that's the that's the job. That's what will keep me in work is is producing a player to play in the first team. But 
away from all of that. I want not only to produce better players, I want to produce better people. Um, so we, we work on everything. There's, there's, um, there's stuff that we look to do in terms of cookery classes, in terms of driving awareness, um, in terms of um, exposing them to different elite environments. Um, we we do it we do it all. They they have um, we sat in the other day on a on a mental health um, presentation. Lads from the from the Premier League speak out came in and I've sat in with that. So we do we we make sure all bases are covered and these lads we give them every opportunity to not just be better footballers but better people and the the pressures of being a young footballer are massive for for these kids at the moment and. And they have to realise the pitfalls are, are even greater. So um, we we do educate them on and off the pitch, and it's something that we're conscious of as a football club. It's something that had been in place before I took over, and something that I will continue to do. Yeah, and sticking on that, I mean, being able to get them mentally strong to deal with different situations that arise and one thing I know that affected your playing career Paddy was the injuries and I remember following Crystal Palace when you as captain kind of dragged them up to the Premier League a couple of seasons back and for you to pick up those injuries and you know really not get to have a good crack at the Premier League I mean how difficult is that for any player and for yourself was there anything that you what did you do in in your own head to be able to deal with that? Um, strong, strong. Having a strong family around me helped yeah. massively. Um, having strong friends around me helped massively. Um, and listen, I was low. I, I make no bones about it. There was times where I was um, where I was really down. Um, I thought I'd never kick a football, and, and um, I was really in a, in a in a bad place. It was a horrible, horrible time for me. Um, I worked so hard, and. Um, and just kept breaking down, and the harder I worked, the more the more um, injuries I seemed to get, and it was it's just not a, a good place to be. And as a as a footballer, when you're trying everything and and doing everything right, and and your body's letting you down, um, yeah, it's it's not nice. But what what helped me through that was a, a fantastic um, family, uh, fantastic friends, um, fantastic teammates, and and obviously the, the club were were massive behind keeping me. Um, Keeping me occupied and, and making sure I had every opportunity to get back fit, so it was it wasn't easy by any stretch of the, of the imagination. Um, but I think that I remember the first time I had a had a big injury was when I was at Leicester, um, and I injured my shoulder and I got really down and to the point where it was affecting me me home life and, and and everything. And that was the first kind of experience. It really really did affect me, but. As you go on, you, you you just you do have to get get stronger. Um, you have to grit your teeth and just put it to the back and just keep working mm-hmm. hard. And um, it's never never easy. So it, it is. It's it's part and parcel of the game. It's hazard of the occupation. Um, but when it when it is happening to you, it's not it's not nice at all. I mean, we tried when I was injured. I tried sports psychologists and everything everything that I could have tried to get back on that football pitch. I did and. Uh, eventually, I did manage to get back on when when I got fit. I played some games in the Carling Cup and managed to make me Premier League debut and ended up going on loan to a couple of clubs and stuff like that. But after that initial injury that I had, I was never the same player. Um, I struggled to get out of bed in the morning. I struggled to get warmed up for training sessions, and um, my body was just constantly letting me down. And it was a constant battle, and um, it was something that you really have to be hard to. But again, looking back. Um, I think that 
experience going on around at Boston, the the upbringing I had, um, the the kind of mentoring from Frankie Bone, the my new team coach at Man City in that environment, how he pushed us and pushed us to be mentally resilient and and um, and physically resilient as well. I think it all falls into the character building that's needed to become a professional footballer. Yes, certainly, and you know to be able to now do what you you know what your long-term goals are to be able to get into coaching and to be doing it at the club that you love I mean there's certainly light at the at the end having gone through that and it seems to be a big common thing among a lot of players that it happens just finally before we let you go uh, Paddy in terms of your own goals in your coaching what would be your big aims is it the big plan to plough on there at, uh, at Crystal Palace I mean I think it's probably fair to say we could do it a bit more Irish managers uh, in the English leagues because they the, the numbers are a bit low at the moment. They are dwindling, definitely. They are dwindling, but I've got a, I've got a massive job on my hands at, at Crystal Palace. It's a job that I I wake up every morning and and um, and love going in in there. There's plenty for me to do here. And at the end of the day, I'm only 23. Um, I'm fully qualified in terms of A license. I've got other other uh, ambition to to do my pro license soon um, and complete my. Um, my advanced UEFA awards um, and, and youth modules and stuff like that. So I've got I've got loads of um, ambition there. But at the moment, I'm, I'm content in what I'm doing. I've got plenty of work. It's job not done for me at the moment, and um, it's something that I've, at the moment I'm really happy with where I'm at, where I'm at. And who knows in the future? Um, I've not got any ambition to become a first team manager as yet, but. In football, never say never. Exactly. Well, it's been terrific talking to you. Paddy McCarthy, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Cheers, chaps. Great stuff there by Paddy McCarthy. Gareth, it's another world, I suppose, for life as a footballer. You really go through the ups and downs, and it's great to see the likes of Paddy and that really embracing coaching and getting the opportunity to dig his heels into it. Absolutely fantastic and, and great of him to open up as much as he did, not only on what he's doing now as a coach, but also what he what he went through as a player, obviously the good times uh, and the, the grim times that he experienced as well. I thought that was a fascinating chat. Because players at the big clubs, particularly those that are going to buy their team from abroad at the moment, the Manchester Cities, Liverpool's, United's, and Chelsea's they're buying their players from abroad they're going to have a dream team by the start of the season and you know a lot of those academy players you know it's probably a need to make them aware that it's going to be very difficult to ever make that team unless they're exceptionally good and then there's always the danger of going out on loan but as Paddy says you know you gotta go out on loan and pull your sleeves up absolutely a vital part of a a young player's education and it's no wonder that uh the top clubs are, are so keen to do it. It really is a, a stepping stone and an experience of of playing regular first team football. As Paddy said, nothing. He then went back to to playing kind of academy football. He said nothing, you know, nothing compared to to what he'd experienced at uh, at Boston and how much that developed him as a player. And I think from what he said as a person as well. It's remarkable on this on this Sport Deck Speaks podcast over the past few weeks, we've really gone down the coaching route and got an insight from coaches in very different situations, but so many similarities between them all. You know, last week we had Matt Ward, who's exploring an Asian adventure. The week beforehand, we had Ian Birchnell, who's enjoying life in Norway, doing the business there with Viking. It's remarkable. 
Yeah, and each of them have had a, a sort of an inspirational story to tell, inspiring in, in, in different ways, whether that's uh, you know, Paddy's tale there at, from Crystal Palace or, as you said, from, from further afield in Asia and Scandinavia. But uh, very, very interesting to get an insight into into what these these fellas are doing in terms of their coaching. And as you said, remarkable how many similarities there are between them, despite the fact that the circumstances they're working in might be dramatically different. Well, I don't think it's been spoken about enough, the whole coaching side of things, and it's, it's a pleasure to be able to deliver some of that here on Sport Deck Speaks. Absolutely. With that, we're going to have to say goodbye here on Sport Deck Speaks. Our thanks to Crystal Palace's Paddy McCarthy for joining us. Gareth and myself will be back again at the same time next week with another incredible story. Remember, if you'd like to download the Sport Deck app, all you have to do is go to sportdeck.com. We've got the best live scores, stats, the latest news in betting across multiple leagues around the world. We're available on the App Store and you can get us on Android as well. From Gareth Morgan and myself, Dave O'Grady, take care. Download the SportDeck app today for live scores, stats, the latest news in betting. You can find us on the App Store or by going to sportdeck.com.